Yo, yo, what up? It's Brandon with DIY Sound Library, back at it again. Today we got Brian Walker of Philly DIY Collaborative. You know the Facebook group that we all use to get shows, to post our music, to talk to other bands and network? Yeah, that thing is so important to us, and this guy founded that. Brian's also involved with his own band, A Day Without Love, and his own podcast, Dreams Not Memes. And I'm just really curious, first of all, how did he start this Facebook group? What went into that? What was the vision behind that? Because it's it's so grassroots and organic. I, I just love how real it is and how useful it is for, for bands. Also, how does he do that while playing in a band, touring, and his own podcast, and he's involved with the community? It's just so much stuff. Um, I love that he does all these things, and I think it's something that we all can learn from. You know, How do we do more with what we have? Check it out. Can you just tell us a little bit about uh, what you do? I know you're involved with so much stuff these days with writing and, and music. Um, you have a podcast. Um, can you talk a little bit about all the things you do? Surely. Uh, my name is Brian Walker. I'm from Philadelphia. Currently live right outside of Philadelphia. Um, and when I mean by right outside, I mean like literally across the street in Winmore. <laughs> so um, I didn't even have to volunteer that information. But um First and foremost, I'm the songwriter of A Day Without Love. Uh, that's my pride and, and joy, my bread and butter. Um, not quite, because music's hard to make money on. Um, so I do that. Uh, I'm a professional in change management and, and stuff like that, in case anyone wants to know where's my business brain coming from. Um, I run a podcast called Dreams Not Memes, which is actually the inverse of A Day Without Love in terms of its mission. I'll get that. I'll get to that later. Um, I also am a contributing writer for Philadelphia Global that just started. Um, I wow. founded the Philadelphia DIY Collaborative. Um, I'm also an affiliate volunteer member of Coping with Dystopia, which is a folk punk uh, charity for quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm also part of the uh, Musicians for Bernie. And um, I've been doing quite a bit of like organizing regarding uh musicians equity slash uh workers rights uh for wow. musicians uh with a few um i don't want to no they're politicians they're they're politicians in 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 development uh but they're also musicians as well um and yeah that i mean i could say more but that that's pretty much <laughs> it yeah yeah i mean that to me that's that's like inspiring hearing that you're able to to do all this stuff um, I know sometimes I kind of feel trapped with just music um, and it's cool to break out of that once in a while and, and try other stuff. Um, and I guess we could start with the Philly DIY group, which I'm like so thankful for that's there. It's such a huge resource mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when it comes to like booking shows or, or showing off your own artistry or content. Um, how did that get started? Um, believe it or not, it was actually a mistake. Uh, and this is why I call it a mistake. So I was originally trying to start a nonprofit organization called the quarterly. Uh, mm -hmm. that was in 2013, uh, literally right after I finished grad school. And, um, the quarterly was supposed to be designed to get the Philadelphia creative community, not just the music community, like all creative and small business communities together on a seasonal basis to raise money for music education in Philadelphia, because Philadelphia mm. has basically a resource problem when it comes to providing music education for children. Um, 
And I found that out uh, because a friend of mine created a documentary called Rise of the Tigers. And Rise of the Tigers was a documentary about football access. Um, a lot of high schools in football, I mean, a lot of high schools in Philadelphia don't have football teams because they don't have the access to it due to their budgeting. Mm-hmm. And that correlates to a lot of problems such as gang violence, um, slash street violence, uh, drug use, dropping out, uh, lack of engagement in education. So I was just like, how can I help to this problem but from my own lens? And I was like, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll start an organization and an MPO uh, endeavor. And, you know, granted, we had like four or five events and we did raise some money. And the money went to Rock to the Future, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. I did like a SWOT analysis. And for people that don't know what that is, that's a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threat analysis. And then I also did like an if-then analysis. And I just like looked at all the the risks. And I was like, as much as I want to do this, it's not going to work. Because I realized, one, my networking tool, which was the Philadelphia DOI Collaborative, it was a networking tool for nonprofit, not for music at all. I mean, it was music related, but it was really organizationally sound like i wasn't trying to like uplift a day without love i wasn't trying to like get tour dates at the time of 2013 i was like people who tour are dumb i'm tired of seeing kickstarters <laughs> like fund my tour like that's where my mind was at right yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which is ironic because like flash forward seven years later like i've literally played in 22 states but that being beside the point um i started that group with a very uh, altruistic charitable endeavor um and it's still an altruistic per- yeah. has an altruistic purpose because like uh, even though people say i post there every day i'm like i, I really post there like once every three weeks <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean um, yeah yeah that's I, awesome. I really that that was like kind of how it happened now in terms of like how did it get huge i didn't control that that was all god so yeah wow <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's amazing so, though i mean yeah. just I feel like that is that's got to be a part of why it is successful. It's just so to me, it's so grassroots and so organic that that's why I keep coming back. Like the the real interaction you get with people and actual people who play these shows or can help you out with whatever it is. It's 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 so real to me. So that's why I think it's a, a legit thing. And that's why it grow grew. Yeah. And, and it's still growing. So, yeah, it's insane. I love it. Um, you know, I see it kind of as like a resource really for any kind of band um, or artist or whatever you do for the area. Is that how you see it as like a resource or do you see it more like a, a community of people or how do you see it specifically? Uh, I see it as both. Because um, mm-hmm. like, keep in mind, like when it comes to internet usage, there's a percentage of people that just read, but they never engage. Yeah. Why they don't engage can... I call it cyber introversion. Um, I call it because it's like, you know, an introvert is all about like, um, what can I process within as opposed to process without? Because like extroverts are usually like, I need to get external stimuli. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably like scrolling left and right. Like those are the real scrollers that are getting that anxiety. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, they take whatever they want from that, like from, from going in that group. Whereas there's definitely another sample of uh, what you could call engagers. I hope no one quotes me and makes a chart out of this because there is no <laughs> empiricism behind this. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And th- those are the people that are commenting and going like, you know, the industry sucks. All right, let's hear your music. Uh, 
I don't have any. Like, oh, okay. Uh, and then there's your other percentage, and we have to take those people out, and that's like robots, um, you know, virus people, uh, bigots, et cetera, et cetera. But like, one way or the other, I see from a community, there's people that just like seeing people post and support mm-hmm. out if they can or engage. And then there's people that are like actively talking every day. Yeah. Uh, Facebook even like has a percentage chart where they like show you that stuff. Oh, um, wow. So you can see analytics on that, I guess, being the admin. Yeah. And I mean, I used to share them and then I realized like no one really cared. So then I was like, all right, I'm not going to share this. And the reason why I was sharing them was to create an accountability or awareness of like how not diverse music is um because there's definitely limits to the dashboards um such as like they don't show race uh they don't show religion or um things like that um but they do show like gender breakdowns they show uh estimated age breakdowns things like that Mm -hmm. um and i really wanted to show that like you know it's not just America, it, it's Philadelphia too. Like we need to break down these walls that doesn't make uh, music or arts uh, as accessible. So, and this is just mm-hmm. one representation of it. Right, right. Yeah, I noticed um, when I comment, sometimes it shows like the little coffee symbol. Like I'm a, I guess a conversation starter. It says once yep. in a while. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's interesting to see that. And yeah, so you have that going, which I love. And then you also started your, your Dreams Not Memes podcast. So I'm really curious, what's the, what's the vision behind that? And does that link up with the group in any way? Uh, no, it's actually linked completely to A Day Without Love. So A Day Without okay. Love, the band, um, the mission of A Day Without Love is for me to tell my story about how I rose above adversity um, through my own lens. I mean, it's much more than that, but that's like the one sentence pitch, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So while I was on tour in Portland, Maine, about a year and a week ago, uh, it just turned the podcast just turned one. I was on tour with Brandon Bauer of Past Life uh, and and People Eating Fruit, and we were just talking, and uh, we were listening to a Bill Withers podcast, and like Brandon just goes, "Dude, you should start a podcast," and I was like, "I mean, maybe." And yeah. then I was like, I don't want it to sound like NPR-y. Like, I like NPR, but at the same time, like, a lot of NPR podcasts are just so scripted, so boring. And, and it'll be like, hello, we are at the DIY sound library. What is <laughs> sound? Like, like you know, like, I was like, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. my personality. And yeah, that's yeah. no one I'm going to talk to. It's so, so, like, corporate and, like, strict. Yeah, Exactly. And keep in mind, like, my non-music background, as I alluded to, like, I've worked for so many different industries. Uh, not always corporate, but still, I, I know what it's like. So I was saying, like, what could I what could I do? I was like, I'm not going to just simply talk about myself. I'm going to have people on this. So I first started just trying to tell the stories behind my songs because I, I have a very large music catalog. Uh, mm-hmm. for, for the short amount of time I've been playing music. But I was like, let's do that. And then those stories behind the song started becoming stories behind people about people that I've worked with. Yeah. And um, I, I redefined the mission of Dreams Not Memes to be stories about people's ambitions and how they rise above their own adversity. So that's what I mean by the, the inverse of A Day Without Love. A Day Without Love is like me and how I'm overcoming myself and the world. Um, mm-hmm. And this is my podcast about how other people overcome 
their selves in the world. And um, originally I was just talking to musicians, but really I'm trying to talk to everybody from every type of profession. Like um, yesterday, I don't know when this is coming out, but my la- my most recent episode, um, I had a podcast with someone who's a candidate for Miss Universe. And um, we talked about like content creation, branding yourself, uh, mm-hmm. social accountability and things like that. And um, it's definitely making me a lot more aware of how different people navigate their careers. Uh, It's also making me aware of like how music works in different areas. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely been somewhat of like a professional musical um, networking journey because I I plan to interview a thousand people, but that's how those two connect. But it has nothing to do with the Philadelphia DOI collaborative. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's really interesting to note is is like there's a lot of a lot of people going through adversity kind of everywhere. And uh, I feel like that's one reason why certain bands or at least, you know, with your vision, with your band, it seems like, you know, if you're able to tour and play all these songs and stuff, it's uh, why it's been at least somewhat successful. Um, People relate to that, that, that uh, getting over that adversity, um, which is huge. I think it's really important. Yep. And yeah. And it was kind of like, like I definitely have a, a give back plan if, you know, um it's in the plans for me to be like widely successful um mm-hmm. because i what one criticism i have of a lot of um successful musicians is i don't think they give back enough like uh take philadelphia for example an age old or decade or multi-decade old problem has been like we don't have an all ages space right and my clap back is for as many successful creators there have been why haven't any of them just said like we're going to invest it we're going to invest into you know the city and make a sustainable all ages community space like why has that never happened like there's been so many people that have tried and failed but you know i feel like every major city and even some major towns has enough money like you know just entrepreneurs alone and i'm talking about musicians comedians um entertainers to make that and you know, yeah. if, if I could do that with my network via Day Without Love, Dreams Not Means, the Philadelphia DIY Collaborative in the near to distant future, because you can't put a time on that. Um, right. I'd be pretty stoked to do that to give back. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That kind of reminds me of, um, I don't know if you know, but Nipsey Hussle, he created this Vector 90 thing with a partner, which is basically kind of that idea of, of they would buy retail spaces and, and or commercial spaces or whatever and turn it into a space where people can come and work on their craft or just get internet connection or, or just hang out. And uh, it seems yeah. like a really good way to get back, give back to the community. Yeah. And you know, so. I, I've been wondering um, relative to Philly, given the timeline, did wreck Philly take Nipsey Hussle's idea and make it that? Cause like my, my, my idea is a little different, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely think Nipsey Hussle was onto something. Because if you watch a lot of his interviews before he dropped that idea, he was saying that the problem with an artist and the independent and the complex is artists don't have their own marketplace. We have to rely on Apple. We have to rely on Spotify. We have to rely on Bandcamp. Or the labels. Or the labels before someone comes to our store being the internet. And um, I think that's something that a lot of artists are like asking themselves like, 
why do I have to like rely on Spotify? And I was like, arguably, I think the the most low cost way to um, get your music out, but it's not not necessarily going to work, is set up a website and then say, if you like my music, Venmo me five dollars, your name, or what you want, and I'll send you a zip file. Yeah. There's no fifteen percent. There's no. There's no breakdown. I mean, it would be great if that could work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but like that that is kind of like the most direct way you could go about it digitally. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great way for at least like emerging artists who don't really have a fan base yet, but need those funds to keep going. Yeah. Um, you you need. I mean, honestly, like you need the money to produce music. It's not like it's cheap to do this. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, I, I hesitate to, like, even respond back to that because I have a budget now, thank God. But mm-hmm. then it was just, like, I, I made a lot of sacrifices. I did things a lot. Uh, I mean, I never went in the red. I never did. But there's definitely a lot of things that I did that most people would have been willing to do. Like, I used mm-hmm. to mega bus tour um, wow. because I couldn't afford a car. Um, yeah. And then, like... I saved a lot of that mega bus money, not to buy a car. That is not where it took me, but I saved a lot of that mega bus money to budget for music so that I could like, you know, record, sell merch, flip merch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the one thing that rings true, um, that's not true now is like a live in-person show really, you know, builds that fan base more than like Mm -hmm. all of these marketing plans. And I'm not saying marketing plans don't work. I just don't think they work for everybody. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, and that kind of ties into the whole adversity thing where you kind of have to push through all the BS just to sometimes get these shows or play these shows. And I mean, you, you were telling me earlier about how you toured 22 states. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you pull that off? Like, how does how does even like a smaller if I was like a smaller emerging band, how do I even start to do something like that? So you start enjoying the Philadelphia DIY Collaborative. I'm just kidding. Um, so I might want to allude that my longest tour was like, you know, 19, 20 days. But like over time, I've covered 22 states. I have not done a 22-day tour yet. Sure. Um, but I would always do different runs. And I like really kind of built my touring uh, like Black Book or Rolodex, if you want to call it, through one playing different kinds of music and two i started one town at a time so my first official touring date was on 420 um 2015 so i've only been touring for five years uh and i want to say four because 2020 is not real like what we're doing right now is not real (laughs) um and how i did that was i talked to someone who found me on Bandcamp. And um, I was just like, can I play at a venue you book at or, you know, someone that books? And they were like, sure. And they were like, play at Mr. Roboto, set up the date. They got with my locals and then bam. And then it, and then I met some people and they were like, hey, you should play in State College. I was like, oh, cool. I went to Penn State. Bam. And then State College was like, hey, you should play in upstate New York. Bam. New York was like, hey, you should play in Jersey. And then literally every show you play, you should be getting like another connection to another town. Cause mm. um, like, if I were to give like a big three, like what do you need to do? Um, it's actually not what most people would, would think. It's like one contact those touring bands. Uh, if you see a touring band that you like, 
uh, don't don't say like, oh, I have a date or oh, I've worked the next day. Go to that show locally and talk to those touring bands and shop yourself because even if you're not playing, they'll still talk to you. Yeah. Um, two, um, listen to as much music that you like and try to network around that outside of your town. Uh, there's a documentary, uh, I can't remember who it was, where it's like, if you're good in your town, um, get good everywhere else. So like, mm-hmm. don't, discriminate um if it's beyond your means like like and think that it's beyond your means so like for example just in philadelphia um there's venues that pay very well that could also get you touring contacts like there's forest maine uh forest in maine is an ambler uh and depending on where you're in philly it's either five minutes outside of philly or 45 minutes outside of philly and they pay 100 bucks but they're always having touring acts right so Mm. you can like make touring connects there i've done that before uh, mm-hmm. Or there's Phoenixville and Steel City and, and John Irick and all those people. They're always having touring acts. So, like, make sure that you're networking with bookers, too. That's number two. Um, and three, I would say, like, think beyond your local base. Because I don't, I don't want to just keep this to Philly, even though this is, like, a Philly podcast. Like, think about what areas do you want to touch? Because um, I definitely think touring is not a right like you don't have to tour you don't it's not like a like a like a requirement of of music or diy mm-hmm. and i think the diy groups can really make someone think that like they're, they're on their phone and like i gotta tour because yeah. i have to be like that other guy and it's like yeah, no you yeah. don't um so i'm stuck like, in that <laughs> yeah no it, it's real and um I, I would definitely say those are the big three which is like you know look at your locals look at your bookers and then um three just really think about what sort of music you want to be a part of mm-hmm. because like philly is a niche um and it's a, it's a big niche it's definitely influencing uh the world but at the same time not not every community is the same like take for yeah. example because i'm a solo acoustic artist i do really well in new england because new england area has a lot of venues that like have folk folk punk Mm-hmm. um artists and then the other hand they also have like a lot of hardcore but say if you're like an edm artist new england might be a little harder to navigate not to say that there's no scene but the scene is much different so you yeah. have to like know those sort of things um if you're a rapper um baltimore might be really dangerous um but if you are like an acoustic artist you might play in the suburbs of Baltimore and things like that. And I'm only sure. bringing that up because like I got robbed in Baltimore, but oh, my, my point being is it is really one town, one person at a time to grow, mm-hmm. uh, even if you're small. And then next thing you know, you, you build this network, you build this, uh, I feel f- so weird saying fans. Um, even though like I have like a lot of people that know who I am whether it be via the podcast DIY or, or music. Um, yeah. But you end up developing somewhat of a recognition for yourself or a brand, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What seems to work is just the fact that everyone who reaches out and like puts themselves out there, whether it be through podcasts or touring or talking to someone in said area to get a show or anything like that, is like if you put yourself out there more, it seems like there's more opportunity that can come to you. 
um what whether that be like touring or getting shows or whatever so yeah and, and i mean i think sometimes it's best to do things with intent or with a goal in mind yeah. than to try to fit in or or get status or things like that because i'm not saying fitting in's not cool um i'm not going to be like that punk where it's like the best punk thing to do is like you know not act like you need friends because human connection's real you need that yeah, um, yeah but i think a lot of artists are trying to do what everyone else does instead of trying to think about what do i want to do um mm-hmm. because when you have the answer what do i want to do and th- this is why i'm doing it then you're better able to serve people around you. You're you're better able to support others because I think a lot of times, and I think this is a capitalistic idea, um, is it's so easy to get wrapped up on what am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting? But even in a capitalistic economy, the, the business sheet starts off with like a value proposition, which is what am I giving? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've always said to myself, Granted, I've definitely been, you know, when I was younger, I didn't like how I felt like I was used. I definitely remember feeling that about the Philadelphia DOI Collaborative at a time. But then when I thought about what my purpose was and how I was doing what I want to do, and and part of that is like providing resources to people um, or like with music, like, you know, DIY Collaborative, provide resources to people that other people otherwise would not have had. The level at which I gave was not planned, but hey, it's happening um music you know create a story about people like myself that like you know and i don't just mean black i mean so many other things about myself that don't really get the time to hear that story um Mm -hmm. you know the podcast provide a platform where i could help people tell their stories so that people in other careers like get the network and connect with that because like it's not every day that you get to hear someone who's competing for miss california talk about the in and outs of like you know a pageant it's not every day you get to talk to someone from like upstate new york talk about being in a conservatory and like trying to rediscover themselves these were just like podcasts i've had in the past week um Mm -hmm. and and i i thought like you know and all things i'm doing like yes i'm getting things back but these are really things i'm providing to people because Sure. I think my, my organizational um, business psychology mind can provide those skills and I can still be creatively fulfilled. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's really about just providing that value and finding that within yourself and, and finding your own goals, uh, yep. but still giving that value out. Yep. Yeah. No matter what you do. Because if you're not giving, um, people probably don't want to give back to you. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds so cheesy and cliche, but, but it's very true. Right. Right. Yeah, I I definitely uh, believe in that, too. Can you talk just a little bit um, about your whole entrepreneurial spirit? Because being involved in all these things must be difficult. And so you got to have some kind of drive and knowledge to keep it all going. You know, how do you yes. how do you keep that? How do you keep that going? I drink Red Bull seven times a day and I do 10 push ups and then I crash and then I automate my. No, I'm kidding. This is all a joke. <laughs> Cocaine so... people. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think my entrepreneurial spirit was something I wasn't aware of until like a friend of mine like told me about it, and I started becoming aware about it. Mm-hmm. And I think my first time of 
acting op- entrepreneurial really came out of church and being part of a grassroots um, activist organization called Youth Action. Uh, in church, I was um, a junior deacon who did a lot of activist work, like, you know, uh, helping those in need, like, you know, soup kitchens and stuff like that. And then uh, in Youth Action, we did a lot of marching and organ- organizing for things like literacy um, and helping youth like get into college because Philadelphia, when I was in high school, a lot of kids didn't have like a guidance counselor to like get into college or access to a college application. So those are sort sure. of things I was doing. So I think yep. my entrepreneurship came out of like being part of volunteer communities, community, uh, grassroots organizations that like wanted to do something about change. And then when I was, mm-hmm. tr- so I like got influenced by all these mentors and things like that. And I think that sort of like stuck onto me. Uh, also, I was raised by my grandparents. And my grandparents definitely have a start it from the bottom story. But mm-hmm. there are things about their lives that I felt were entrepreneurial, such as like, my grandfather, like, was a writer, like he, he like wrote books. But he also worked for like, license and inspections, and he was a fire inspector and things like that. Or my grandmother, uh, you know, barely graduated high school, but she became an English teacher. And then like, you know, she did her own thing, like helping the community. So I always thought, you know, entrepreneurship isn't so much how can we capitalize? How can we gain so much like robber barons of like, just revolution? But entrepreneurship is really uh, getting back to my original point, uh, my previous point, rather, about how can we give? How can we support society? Because even the biggest organizations start it with a mission to help people, but yeah, their yeah. ego got out of the way. Like, uh, sure, I think, yeah. I think Coca Cola's mission is like to provide entertainment products to make people have fun, or so, it's something along those lines. But yeah. they, they became so much more of that. They became the like diabetes contributor of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. Yeah. That's something that's never in my my line, like, you know, like, yeah, my mission, like, I, I really want to help and, and change uh, and support. Yeah, different things that are important to me. So. To me, it, it's what like keeps me living a purposeful and meaningful life <laughs> is the reason why I do all this stuff is because it gives me some kind of meaning and value and purpose. Yeah, um, to, to put my stuff out there um in that creative way and that's that's why i'm like that and obviously tons of coffee <laughs> yeah oh coffee is definitely one of them and then like the other side of your question like how do i do it and how is mm-hmm. it like you know it, it shifts like i'm not saying that like i'm i'm on 24 7 i mean i definitely am productive but like things that i do is like i wake up i i show gratitude um you know with with god um and then after that like i set goals um and then after i set my goals um you know in a non-covid world i would go straight to work and then work and then after work i always think to myself like i always have five to twelve yeah i'm definitely not the only entrepreneur that said that i did not get that from an entrepreneur book it was something i realized and then i started listening to things like gary v i was like hey you know that's true because a lot of people say they don't have time to pursue what they want to pursue and depending on your life, that might be true, but a lot mm-hmm. of times that's perception because it's like, right. um, in the case of just like someone that has a nine to five, it's like, unless your commute is really, really draining, um, and, and I truly mean draining, like the average person has a commute of 23 minutes, so I'm 
I'm going to call BS if you say your commute's draining, if you're on that average median. Um, yeah. You do have the time like to, to take care of yourself, to, to meal plan, to chase those goals, because it doesn't have to get all done at once. So mm-hmm. like I am a budding multi-instrumentalist, meaning like I don't just play guitar anymore. And I shift my practice schedules week to week, um, day by day. So like I haven't played banjo in like three weeks. But like next week, I'm going to start putting banjo back into my routine. Um, yeah, wow. Or like I, I take vocal lessons with this vocal coach named uh, Renee Dresner, and they give me routines. So I say like, you know, in the two weeks periods, because we see each other every other week, I'm going to make sure I practice at least five times. Mm-hmm. So like those are the sort of measurable things that I put on myself. Uh, if anyone wants to get technical, they're called SMART goals uh, by Locke and Latham. There's also mm-hmm. a book called That One Thing. Um, so, like, like just for today, you know, I have my interview mm-hmm. with you. Uh, then after that, I'm going to go on just a morning walk. Not a run, just a walk to let myself breathe and think. Yep. Then I'm going to do yoga. Then I'm going to eat, uh, you know, break that fast. And then I'm probably just going to, like, work on music. And, and then I have a, a podcast interview I have to do myself later in the day. Um, yeah. And that's a light day for me, but a longer yeah. day, like I'll list those things. So it's like lists, scheduling, um, setting realistic timelines. And that's how I'm able to shuffle um, my, my goals. And I, I've definitely seen growth. And, and yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's like a lot of people say they don't have time for things, but what are they doing on the weekend? Oh, they're partying. And like waking up at 1130 and doing nothing until 3 p.m. Like you have time for something, you know, it's just you got to sometimes you just have to make sacrifices and it's not always fun and easy, but um, usually there's time. And, 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 and you hit the nail right on the head because like even as a younger person, like like people say like I've done a lot and I have. I'm finally able to admit that. But if I did not live that party lifestyle as a younger person, I'd probably be even farther than where I'm at now because I mm-hmm. was that wake up at 11 shit. I'd, I'd wake up at like two o'clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that like, it, it was, it was just so bad, but it was really like shifting your behavior. One, one bad behavior to one good behavior at a time. And then right, next thing right. you know, like being productive becomes more of a lifestyle than it yeah. becomes uh, a burden. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more about like, you don't want to stress yourself with having to do all this extra stuff at once. Mm-hmm. So it's so much easier and realistic to achieve that goal by just taking one step at a time, make it easy for yourself, um, and, you know, and, and going one step at a time, really, that's, that's really the best way. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much everything I had and what was curious about. Um, my main goal with this is just to kind of reach out to musicians, other creatives who have that DIY mentality of like, I want to create this awesome project. And how do I how do I make it big? How do I make it successful? What do I need to do? Um, I know I find myself in that situation all the time with my music. Like, should I be touring? Should I be making this record? Or should it be an EP or just a single? Or how do I promote it? Um, how do I make this artwork look great? You know, all that stuff is a... Uh, in my mind. So talking to people like you and hearing your story about how you do all these different things is uh, really inspiring and good to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of times uh, it's about ne- 
working your network uh, actively and passively. Uh, actively working your network is saying like, hey, I'm writing a song and it is about pizza. Maybe I should shout my song to my local pizza owner and see if it become a theme song for the show, uh, for their pizza shop. Right. If that's what you want to do. Passive, yeah. uh, you know, networking is, hey, I'm going to post a song on DIY Collaborative and, and see what happens, you know, uh-huh. um, because there, there's no formula, which like, I think a lot of data minded people and not to say that I'm not data minded because I am, are trying to figure out like, what's the root or the common denominator to getting success. There's common denominators and common variables to what's good music. Uh, and, and you could, you know, you can analyze that. There's reports on that. There, there's there's data science behind that. Sure. But there's not a one size fits all to how someone gets on something. So, like, let's just mm-hmm. say you have, like, a podcast that gets, like, a million listeners in an episode, right? And I'm talking about the podcast we're on right now. Sure. If someone were to ask you, how did you get a million listeners? And then I have a podcast that gets a million listeners per episode guarantee our stories are going to be different. And then you're going to be like, wait, let me ask the next person, the next, next person. And they all have yeah. a different reason, but there might be a consist, there might be a common denominator of behavior, like consistency. Sure. Um, or but it's you nothing know. you can necessarily just do. And then it'll just be famous. Like it's very yeah, yeah. It's more complicated than that. And that's why I say yeah. like, think about your goals because like, you know, when in 2013, when I was 24, I was like, yeah, my goal is to get sound signed by Equal Vision Records. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me my goal now, it's like I could care less like about getting signed to Equal Vision Records uh, or any or any record label because like I'm looking at Chris Sean and Taylor Swift and all these artists that like are getting are signing on to things that they don't really want to sign on to. Right. It's like, man, they really just wanted to create art, but they ended up getting kept caught up in something that they really didn't want to sign up for. And then that's when it becomes a problem. So, like, I just think to myself, like, uh, I've been on mainstream and international press, but at the same time, I got that through organic means um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to these deals, these projects. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with it, but if you're going to do it, just just make sure that you're doing it and it fits with your alignments and values and and you're willing to take those risks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I know you're, uh, you're you're super busy. You're posting like all the time with Dreams Not Memes. Like you're really productive with it, it seems. Yeah, uh, five days a week. I take off on weekends. I mean, I'll, I'll record wow. on weekends, but uh, that's insane. It used to be once a week, um, and then COVID happened, and I, I even have more times because like I work from home. Um, so mm-hmm. that's, that's great. All right, man. Well, have a have a great day. Enjoy your walk, and uh, hopefully it doesn't rain today. I thought I saw it might or something. Yeah, I, I hope not either. <laughs> yeah. It was great talking. All to right, you. take care, man. Thanks. Right, you too. Bye. Hey, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, again, this is Brandon with DIY Sound Library. If you guys don't follow me already, please follow me on Instagram or Spotify or SoundCloud or all of it really trying to do big things with this, share out more information, and hopefully help you guys if you're in the scene, you make your own music, um, or you're some kind of music entrepreneur, or you just want to learn how to make better records or, or anything. I, I really don't know what I'm saying right now, but 
point is, give me a follow if this is interesting to you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep things rolling. Hopefully, I can start a Patreon with this. Um, that would be so good if I could uh, support myself and pay for things like SoundCloud and, and Squadcast and things I have to pay for to, to keep this going. Um, but I'll probably do that down the road, a couple episodes in. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Peace. See you on the next one.